0: All you who are probably still overstuffed from Thanksgiving, if you are a U.S. person, uh, and others who are not U.S. persons. Um, You're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig, and we have uh, two wonderful personalities that we're interviewing today, the first being a a good old friend who once a year we get to talk to him about trends in the hospitality industry, um, and uh, it's Andrew Freeman who is an absolute delight. Um,
1: and just to give you a clue as to what's upcoming, the name of the 2021 report is Hustle. And <laughs> do the hustle. As, as, it, the as in do, the, do he, the hustle. He carries this, this song thing through his roots. And, and, he, and he's going to tell you what the future holds for those of you who are Dining, those of you who are whining, those of you who are just enjoying life in the culinary world, here's Andrew of Andrew Freeman Associates. Freeman, and it says, AF and co. Is called. Okay, love. very good.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to be talking to Andrew Freeman again, our once-a-year date-up. <laughs>
2: Hello, how are you?
0: Okay, I, I guess what's new is you, AF and co., but you also... Have incorporated a new sister company called Carbonate Group, and, uh, yes. and we're yeah, and we're talking um, our annual discussion of um, hospitality trends. We're we're talking about what's ahead, 2021, and you titled it <laughs> with, with your full whimsy <laughs> and smart called "Do the Hustle."
2: So what does that mean, Andrew? (laughs) Well, you know, I guess, you know, we all know this year has been just a bit of a, unlike any other we ever expected. Going into the last year, you know, we had, we already knew the industry was challenged a bit by rising costs and global warming. And, and then this, then the pandemic hit on March, you know, we all went into lockdown on March 17th and what it's done to our industry has really, you know, indeed been devastating in certain cases and it continues to be a little un- unknown but what but with uh, crisis comes creativity and the um, restaurants and hotels that have really been able to at least keep going have definitely done the hustle um,
0: well I'll tell you I mean I'm amazed that they've been been able to even stay afloat uh, I mean yeah. 2020 is such a bad year it's the first time I could remember that the um, Oxford English people couldn't come up with a a word, (laughs) the the year's word.
2: (laughs) Yes. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I I wish I could say that. I mean, I think there's signs of life on the horizon and, you know, the uh, vaccine is on the horizon, but it's still going to be, 2021 is going to be a very challenging year because we're, you know, we're hitting, we're going into this still a little, you know, cases are rising and it's the winter. So the restaurants able to survive outside, you know, uh, with outdoor dining are going to be really challenged. So again, we're, well, you're we're
0: you're in California, you should, you're in Los Angeles. You should you should check it out in uh,
2: Wisconsin. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're actually in San Francisco, um, our home office. But oh, we, you're um, in San Francisco, yeah, right. right? Yeah, but we um, but unfortunately today they just announced that they are going to close outdoor dining in LA because the cases are so – have spikes that's what make, so I think yeah, That's what made really me think about
0: it, because yeah. of L.A., a little, poor, poor L.A.
2: Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be an unpredictable year for sure. But, again, uh, we've seen a lot of creativity, and we're predicting a lot more creativity uh, in terms of the way um, you know uh, brands are going to stay alive. Uh, and mm-hmm. so that's where the theme Do the Hustle came. And then, of course, I'm a disco-era baby. So I love anything related to the world of Saturday Night Fever, and
3: <laughs> and,
2: and so throughout the so throughout the report, we've definitely referenced other um, uh, disco related songs. But I think the other big um, the other biggest uh, piece of the report was "I, I Will Survive." You know, the uh, uh-huh. you know, and and uh, that's what we're all in the mode of. We're in we're in the mode of trying to survive. But also in that, I think some. Restaurants and hotel companies will, will thrive because they're learning things that they uh-huh. didn't need to worry about when there wasn't um, when you know when getting people in was wasn't an issue. Right.
0: So, what what do you put at the top of your list besides having? Well, to we cope? Had, we are
2: you know coming into the new year you know into the year there was a few that you know I'll come back to those but I think that the biggest picture is this concept of I will survive. Um, and what that means is that um, creativity at all levels, uh, whether it be through doing uh, pop-up concepts, you know, within your own kitchen, going direct to consumer with your product goods, looking at really creative ways to bring the experience into people's homes, you know, continuing with takeout and delivery, uh, but basically everything that you can do within the, you know, the confines of what you are allowed to do and what you can afford to do, you know, uh, will will breed this whole new sense of creativity. And and so the general concept for the year is I will survive uh, without a doubt. Um, um, well, that's you know,
0: good because, I mean, there are some of my favorite restaurants that uh, aren't going to reopen um, as well, especially like London is really bad. And and on the yeah. that it doesn't make any sense for them to reopen.
2: Yeah, and you know, and then I think the other thing, you know, again, like another thing that was uncovered um uh this year, you know, certainly was um uh you know, looking at the great outdoors as a right. uh, as a you know, and how the um so I think again, some of it I think a lot of this is gonna stick. Every city has done Given the restaurants permission to do parklets and outdoor dining and, right. uh, and, and I do believe that even when we're out of this, there's still going to be a comfort level of people dining inside. So I think whatever you can do outside, you should, you should continue to do it. And now you probably are looking at, and I know this is happening in your hometown too, where people are looking at tents and heated systems and blankets and everything to keep the industry going. You know, I definitely feel like you, Would so you we think there's going to work? be
0: any kind of a major uh, earth-shattering shift to the style of, of, of restaurants? I mean,
2: all well getting I, I, I think. a lot of it. I think we've gotten a lot more digital. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of. I think it's going to be more in the style of the way people order. You know, the uh, the return of the hashtag, um, which was very interesting. You know, the QR codes. Uh, everything so you can download menus and you can, I think there'll be a, yeah, there's, that's interesting. there's just things for convenience for the diner that I think will stick. Uh, you know, do I, do I believe everything will come back in this time? Absolutely. I think, you know, when we look at this all being behind us, I think there's going to be such a boom. You know, we're calling it the roaring twenties again, because yeah. in some respect, you know, people are going to be like, I got to get, I got to go back out. I got to travel again. I got to get back to my life you know and i think that the, while i don't foresee that in 2021 just yet i think it's more of a 2022 trend i see we'll start to see signs of life you know in 2021 the second half of
3: 2021 how, how do you how do you feel about all these people who are I- ignoring the obvious and and insisting on going home for thanksgiving Doing whatever they're doing, I mean, we, no well,
2: mask. the whole is that, thing. Does that make
3: does well, that make you as mad it, as it makes me?
2: It makes it makes me so
3: mad because it's 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 the
2: it's the it's the, people, it's the folks that don't behave that are keeping us in the in this this constant cycle. And you know, even with restaurants, you know, the outdoor dining is being attributed to a um, to a potential increase, but there's no proof. You know, there's no proof that that's, Coming from that, because the restaurants that are enforcing the mask policy and making sure their servers are tested and everybody's tested, they're they're playing by the rules. It's the people that aren't playing by the rules that are getting that are keeping us down. And I, I get so mad sometimes when I'm walking down the street and somebody doesn't have a mask on. I literally, I you know, the vigilantes of people me wanting to go up to them and say, "Just put your darn mask on," you know, oh, like yeah. you, you don't understand. But, you know, I also think that we don't know what's happening behind closed doors. And I think a lot of it is coming from house parties and people getting together. So as tough as this is, you know, just respect what the mask and respect the distancing and do everything we need to do so that we can get out of it. Um, But I am mad. I'm really mad about it because I think we might have been further along. Obviously, you all know. Just, I mean, I won't even get into politics right now. But, you know, you all know what kind of year this has been and how, you know, this is the United States, and I, I just can't believe that, you know, of all the nations in the world, you oh, know, it's, it's
0: that, we're, that, we,
2: that we couldn't figure it out, you know. Or well, it's not just this it
0: leadership, yeah. and you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's it's, that's but, disgusting. I think that there's a, this I'd, – I'd like to push this thing about negligence of it I guess not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what do you think, since you, you know the psyche of all these people in the industry, you've
4: mm-hmm. been
0: at this for some time, what do you think about all these people rushing to open first time restaurants?
2: Well, you know, I think I, I sort of applaud them because, I mean, we're trying to keep things moving. We're actually opening a few restaurants in, in the next few months. We're opening with takeout and delivery and outdoor dining and. Because, you know, life, it's hard to stop life. Oh, know? I'm happy they're um, doing
0: it, but I just wonder what they're thinking. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. they got
2: to be freaked out. They've got to be fearful. They've got to be, you know, fear of unknown. Like, we, we do game plan after game plan of, like, all the what ifs. Okay, what if this happens? What if this happens? You know, the, the whole, I, you know, people always ask me, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I wish I had a crystal ball this year. Because I just. You know, like you, I always say like, yeah, we can plan for the next three months, but why don't we plan for tomorrow? Because that's as far as we can go right now. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, I think that they're all, everybody's going into it with cautious, you know, maybe optimism would be a, a good word. They're cautiously optimistic that they'll be able to hold on and that while they're going through this process, you know, uh, well, you know, the vaccine will advance and, Things will happen that will keep them going, but yeah, it's. Um, I give them a lot of. They're they're brave, they're resilient. The uh, the the resilience of our industry right now is just extraordinary, um, and the way people have come together to help the frontline workers, and even in you know here in the Bay Area, we had all the horrific wildfires. In oh, the California so poor
0: California, I mean, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and the industry that's been so challenged still gives back as much as they can, and that's what I think is so beautiful about, you know, about the restaurant and hospitality business in general. So always
0: been the case, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think they're a little bit, um, you know, I mean, cautiously optimistic I guess would be a good way to put that.
0: So now, I mean, around – Not around the issue of pandemic, or maybe it is around the issue of pandemic. I mean, I I read things like there's a a more, there's greater interest in health. So that's been going on for Mm -hmm. a long time. I mean, do you think that's still kind of Well, it's kind of
2: an interesting thing because, you know, we definitely called plant-based last year and we definitely have seen that increase. And actually what we've seen this year is it's gone global so that when I say global, I don't mean worldwide. I mean, it's it's plant-based is being infused in all kinds of cuisines right now. So I think that there's sort of a two, it's really funny. The pandemic has caused us either to get, to try to get healthier. And just by the way, being plant-based does not necessarily always mean healthy. You know, there's still a lot of, you know, there's, it could be very caloric, but I think it's also um, uh, supporting the uh, earth-at-large farmers, you know, the ecosystem. Right, the So I, I believe plant-based is definitely here to stay and will continue to grow. The flip side of that is that there's also indulgence, like the bread yeah, baking that went on through the pandemic, uh, you know, the home classes, virtual classes, dessert making and bread baking. And so really, whether you go plant-based or you go, you know, um, indulgent, which you you can do both with plant-based, you know, there's definitely a sense of what, what it's going to take to um, satisfy your personal needs, you know, um, as you go through this very, you know, very strange time. I do think that we're going to see a lot more animal-free products being, uh you know, coming to the, uh you know, to us all. There's actually um, a new printer that prints out a 3D meat product. Um, which I think yeah, is a little bizarre, but um, but you know you know I also feel that you know I think the one thing that's going to come out of this is that you're going to however you want your experience. The restaurants hopefully will be there to give it to you. So if you want it at home, if you want it virtual, if you want it on classes, if you want to eat in, if you want to eat outside, if you want a meal kit, if you want us to, you know, it's opened up a lot of doors, and I think many of these will stick even when we go back to. You know, traditional indoor dining.
3: of course. Go ahead, Robert. Andrew, do you do you see much about outside of the United States? Uh, I'm wondering. My my question was: uh, Are there any uh, any countries in the world that, that seem to be doing a better job than than we are in keeping their restaurant and hospitality business alive? Oh yeah so one, I, one you certainly would not, which is my native land, which is if anything three times as bad as here,
0: no, but actually, Robert, they were actually they have money to pay uh, to keep the workers yeah. working i mean we and they're our pay, government and they're, never and they're did paying,
2: that, yeah, and they're paying the restaurants to uh you know a lot of the um uh the Sweden and Norway and countries like that are actually you know supplementing you know. Keeping the restaurants open and keeping alive. I will say, New Zealand has done, you know, an awesome job. Oh, well,
0: that, isn't that wonderful? Uh, yeah. huh?
2: You know, yeah. I think that, you know, they but they were also like nobody in, nobody out. <laughs> you know. Um, well, was, that's uh, true. You know, unfortunately, it's not the same in Australia. So I think a lot of it is just. Well, population. you know, Australia. You no, know,
0: yeah. um, they had Melbourne. And, you know, that's where we used to live. They were they had a hundred and eleven days of lockdown. Okay. And and when they came out they still weren't following the rules. But we interviewed a chef from Sydney and and her restaurant, Fred's, never closed.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean that's a a really good restaurant.
2: We've, We've had we've had several restaurants that have not closed either that have just they've like the complete transition to doing takeout delivery, opening up um, stores, you know, gift stores and meal kit stores and grocery stores within the spaces has been extraordinary. I think the big, the big concern is like staying power. Like as long as this continues to go, you know, did, these poor chefs and restaurant owners have it in them to keep fighting the fight? You know, that's the, the exhaustion level from this whole thing. Um, the stress, the anxiety, you know, we've been, we've actually been looking at mental health resources for a lot of our, clients because you know it's a, it's a lot it's a lot when you have your family and you're you know you're worried about your personal safety but then you're also worrying about your guest safety and about your employees and um and 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 just you know your dreams are being shattered you know in, in mm-hmm. the process of all this um you know it's definitely a lot you know like i just don't
0: worry about yeah. the, with the deep pockets of of chains i mean we're not going to end up with nothing but chain
2: restaurants are we I hope not. I mean, I do think that some of the chains, you know, in the early days, you know, when they we were all going for the PPP loans, they, you know, a lot of them gave it back. I think the deep pockets are definitely thinning out there too, because one thing this is, uh, the pandemic has done is it's leveled the field. Like everybody got it impacted, whether you were a chain or you were a very high end restaurant, mm-hmm. everybody got, you know, everybody got impacted. Mm hmm. But, I, you yeah. know, I mean, again, out of this, I think we'll have a new sustainability initiative that will continue to grow. You know, one thing that I've been – we're we're definitely seeing is that we're going to have to get a lot more um, – people are going to have to really care a lot more about packaging because there's so much packaging being used right now. And in the early days of the pandemic, it was almost like the sustainability of packaging got thrown out the window because, you know, people just wanted delivery food and we just wanted to keep it safe. But now, we're all, you know, we're looking at all that as well. I mean, so I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, honestly, you know, to turn it for a minute, I do believe there'll be a lot of um, looking back, the learning lessons, or we call it the silver linings, that, you know, that we're just starting to think. I I end every uh, meeting that I have with, like, what's one silver lining you can take away from this, and... For me, it's been you know the the amazing resilience and the creativity of the industry you know that's gone out on. Obviously, we've called certain food trends again and you know I don't. Know yeah, what are some of those? those. Well, the, the-, the food the food of the year is the Casabria, which is a um is uh birria is big and it's basically it's a you know it's it's a uh, Mexican dish. It's um you know it's a I, and you it'll be in the report so you can pick that up. But it's. Again, everybody went – every year there's always, like, a a, a delicious treat of cheese and meat and stew, and this time Mm -hmm. it's called the quesabiria. And that was – we're seeing – it. and even today I just read another article about how popular, you know, Mexican is. Uh, The beverage trend of the year is definitely hot cocktails. Why? Um, Because people are going outside to drink, and uh, they've gotten a lot more creative with you know, with uh, hot drinks. Um, the Cuisine of the Year, interestingly enough, this year is Chinese-American. Um, wow, last yeah, I year, think I re- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, year, isn't you know, it? You know, it's funny, but yet it's so true, right? The the number one takeout, you know, next to pizza is Chinese. But, again, I think there's, you know, in the past, you know, last year we said that, um, uh, you know, authentic or et- ethnic is a word that we really don't use anymore because, You know these are americans with uh, cultural heritages but they're cooking american food right so this is american chinese or this is what they they're they're taking their two cultures and they're meshing them so the quality that you're going to get with some of these with chinese now is definitely um less you know um less chemical you know more fresh ingredients plant-based you know all those things so what's making chinese american is the preparation of the way they're cooking it um and we think it's honestly just on the rise believe it or not even though it's been around also you know regional indian people are digging into cultural like they want to know more there's there's been a lot of time on the internet and surfing and lessons to be learned and so they want to know more african uh, Af- afro caribbean you know the yeah, cultural um and then um and then jewish food food of my people um jewish delis have you know um proliferated. we called this a few years ago we might have been a little bit early but what's better than a great bowl of matzo ball soup and a bagel when you're going through a pandemic <laughs> and um and we've launched uh, one of our clients launched a jewish deli concept called mark and mike's that just w- beyond went beyond crazy so everybody wanted pastrami sandwiches and, and <laughs> comfort comfort food and um, and I will say this because I can, but, you know, like, who makes better comfort food than the Jewish people? But I <laughs> I am a little well, biased. Well, you know,
0: the one food that I've always <laughs> craved, I mean, I, I don't, as you know, I, I have access to food all the time. So there are not many dishes that I crave for uh, foods. And one thing that I regularly crave, and I have to control myself because of the uh, calorie density. Yes. A, a rube
2: in the sandwich. Oh,
3: know. yes. <laughs> yes the and the
2: and the Reuben at Market Mike is the number one seller. It's you know,
3: it's. Oh, I, uh, I mean, I
0: love it. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah I have to tell you that. something. I don't think I ever did when 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 my mother and and our niece were over here, and I took them to New York City. We we went to a delicatessen down down by the uh, down by the point. Yeah. All, all the way down Manhattan, and we went in and we 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 ordered, and the guy who took our order made the sandwich, and then we, by this time we were down waiting to pay for it, and he threw it. Yeah, yeah your mother <laughs> like loved a, it. Like a football. I loved it. In, fact, <laughs> in fact, it was a per, it was a perfect spiral. Yeah, that's but, just, You know, that's so the funny. thing that
0: that that gets me is everybody always says. You know, because there's so many um, Jewish delicatesses that have gone out of business, and people always crave and, and long for something that's closed. And as soon as yeah. somebody tries to move to fill that void, um, the, the people can't make a living
2: out of it. What is it? People yeah, I, just like yeah. to
0: think about it and not eat it.
2: Yeah, you know, it's really funny. I think a pand- nothing nothing like a pandemic brings certain things back, Um You know, I I also think that you probably all know this too, but the virtual um, brands, like um, that are, you know, that's another great opportunity that's sort of come out of this that chefs and restaurants that don't necessarily want to have a brick and mortar again because they can't afford it can do actually, they can introduce virtual brands. So we're working with a company called Crave Hospitality that actually is creating these uh, kitchens all over the country where their um, chefs, well-known chefs, are putting brands into them. Some of them, some of their existing brands, but smaller versions of them, or they're doing, you know, like Michael is doing a, a mac and cheese concept um, yeah. in one of the kitchens, you know. So, um, and I think that that is here to say, too, that, you know, um, the because why? Well, number one, you have a lot of your expenses built into your, your business model. You're paying rent, which includes a lot of, you know all the things that you would have had to worry about yourself, but then you're also able to use a network that's being created for you uh, by the master company. In this case, Creve that's driving the traffic. So I think I think a lot of virtual brands and virtual kitchens will stay. Um, they're a little bit different than ghost kitchens because ghost kitchens were just like a real estate deal where you would just take a space and you know they these are where services higher level. The quality of the delivery experience is really being cared for, and so they're basically virtual restaurants. We have actually this crave yes. hospitality actually has what we call mobile servers, and when they when they deliver the food, there's actually a service experience included with it. So I think you're going to see more of that as well.
0: Well, yeah, I think that um, people are getting very used to um, ordering their food. And doing their grocery shopping online and uh, and having it delivered, and I don't think that that's going to actually go away. Uh, We've been devoting a lot of um, airtime to tracking some of those businesses because, like, you have places like um, Chef's Garden in uh, Ohio, never did anything um, for you know you and me or something, only for top-notch chefs and. They now have all these boxes and all these, and they've built a staff to handle it all. So they're yeah. not going to get back to not doing it. And, and then, yeah. um, and my favorite story is the, the guy, um, Gulo Seafood on Long Island. You know him? Mm-hmm. His, his, his name, his, his specialty is octopus, which, I mean, I try to help them get, you know, recognized for their online, but there aren't that many home cooks that want to tackle an octopus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now they do um, Sicilian desserts, and they do, you know, other other fish. You know. Uh-huh. and so they're not going to go back. He even has a temporary name change.
2: Yeah. From well, that. we have one of our major trends this year was called "Shop Like a Chef" because so many of these um, restaurant suppliers, you know, were forced to figure out how to get how to get direct to the consumer because the restaurants aren't exactly. buying it. And we have a company called Four Star Seafood, uh, and provisions. You should check it out. I mean, they have. Wait, tell me about the
0: seafood one. I'm looking for a seafood one.
2: It's called, it's called Four Star Seafood. It may not be distributing across the country yet, but you should check it out. They, he was a, you know, he was a very prominent chef and he decided to become a distributor to restaurants. And then when restaurants sort of, you know, stopped, Mm-hmm. ordering as much, we went direct to consumer. But I think I think restaurants are even going direct to consumer. Have you heard about Gold Belly? Yeah, now uh, tell me
0: about Gold Belly. I don't really quite understand it all. Yeah. Gold Belly is
2: an, uh, basically they're they're crafting online food delivery and experiences, but they're bringing in well-known restaurants and products from across the country, and you can go to one site and you can order from your favorite deli and you know in new york or you're like we we have Got roadside here which is a you know our local burger um concept and yeah. they're going to go on gold belly and so um getting your product onto you can go to and they have it it's so beautifully done you can go by category you can go by james beard winners and you can order everything through gold belly that's just one of the many but it's the concept is basically everything direct to consumer uh, right, which, well there's you know, so
0: many um, people that I would ordinarily just order direct from and then interview you know yeah uh, and but they're all switching to Gold Valley now
2: yeah, and I think that the reason again it just it helps them um get the 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 reach you know the number of people mm-hmm. that are seeing it and yeah. uh, and they're also but locally locally a lot of restaurants are doing you know you can come in pick it up we'll deliver it. You know, yeah, we'll um, listen. That. It's really a matter of like whatever we have to do to to you know to, to stay alive, which is another disco song, staying alive, <laughs> staying alive. You know, um, so you know, so you think about I will survive and staying alive and do the hustle. <laughs> um, you know, we, you're on we, a roll. We, we, yeah, we, we didn't want to. We didn't want to not take what's going on very seriously. I mean, we were going through a crisis, and the restaurant industry has felt it worse than anybody. So, don't want to. Um, but somewhere in all this, we said we have to celebrate the resilience and have a little fun because, you know, it could get a little dim and gloomy. We were a little nervous about, like, we don't want to come across to, you know, not taking it seriously. But, you know, we've been on the front lines. Our, my own little business, is, um, as you can imagine, has been deeply impacted by this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was and, wondering. I was
0: going to ask yeah, you that, yeah. and then I don't want you to divulge any kind of, you know, company secrets. But um, have you had to do a lot of shifting? Oh
2: yeah, oh uh, yeah, it was everything. It was a Fifteen years anniversary last week, Um yeah. and That's saying awesome. goodbye to people that have worked with me for many years, and just it was the most honestly, the, I don't think I'll ever imagine anything more heartbreaking or scary. Because we were so, you know, we, you know, you know we, we were lucky to be very successful, very respected. And we still are, but we had to, just like everybody else, we had to make really tough decisions. And, you know, and then my team that I have right now is just so amazing because they all took reductions and they've all been working their butts off. We don't go to an office anymore. You know, everything has really shifted. And I, I just have to say, every day I wake up and I'm just grateful that I have this smaller team, than I did, but they're 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 fighting the good fight with me. So, but it's been so. Well, you're, I know you're exceptional, exceptional
0: on, and, and I mean, I do think with you that the whole industry has responded brilliantly. Um, but the, you, uh, Andrew Freeman, are exceptional. <laughs> oh, well. And so, our listeners, um, if you get to the point where you need to have some help with this new market, yeah. <laughs> call. A F and Co, um, yes, or Carbonate please. Group,
2: and, and Andrew Freeman is the guy to talk to. Well, thank mm-hmm. you so much. I love our time together. It's one of my favorite times of the year. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and uh, and I would I would highly recommend that you know um, you know your listeners, if they want to get a copy of the trend report, they can also visit either one of those websites because we cover we didn't cover a lot, and there's some really some fun stuff in there as well. So go to the website, oh, yes. and you can download a trend report. Well, he,
0: he's a joy to read. I mean, talk about upbeat. <laughs> well,
4: for sure. Andrew,
0: love you as always, and um, yes. maybe maybe we could talk before the year is out.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and 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 by the way, have a safe and healthy, happy holiday season. And let's hope this time next year, we're talking about what it was like to for it to be in the past, exactly. um, and on the way on the way to recovery. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm with you. Thank you I'm, I'm right with that. So, you too, and and I'll talk okay. to you maybe in less than a year. <laughs> okay. Thank thanks. you so Good much, Andrew. I'm glad you're both okay. I'll look forward okay. to getting the report. Okay,
2: bye-bye. We'll send it to you now. Thank you. Bye-bye. bye-bye.
1: Podcasting services for On the Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net.
0: Next up is our new friend, not an old friend, but our new friend, Danielle Alvarez, uh, who we're going to talk to uh, from, um, well, we're from She's in Sydney, Australia, uh, at a restaurant called Fred's, which is nothing but superlative reviews. And well, her book is called Always Add Lemon, which is something that I want on my tombstone as well. And let's listen to her, Danielle. Talk to us about her book of that title.
1: And and her Sydney restaurant called? Breads, I said.
0: Great. (laughs) We're talking to Danielle Alvarez, uh, whose book, Always Add Lemon, attracted me because it's part of my essential being that I feel that if you want to cook really good food, you always add lemon. It's subtitled Recipes You Want to Cook. Food you want to eat, and I agree with all of that, Danielle. Um, oh, I'm tell, so just,
4: Thanks for having me on.
0: Definitely. Yeah, well, I just it, think so. that you're, you're um, just the premise of it
4: uh, is wonderful, but I wanted to jump back. and... Miami, Florida, and I moved to California to start my cooking career. I had gone to culinary school in Florida, but um, the bits are very, very impressive. Um, kitchen and team so that was my first restaurant job which was totally terrifying but uh, yeah were
0: you intimidated by him he's really I remember my first interview with him uh, he was cutting herbs in
3: uh, in that garden <laughs> oh, and not, I sat on the, the, the he's kind of frightening <laughs> because he's so tall yeah he's very <laughs> he, tall he was, but he was he, was, you know, he, he wasn't, was, um go ahead
4: sorry Oh, He, he was wasn't what? the um, the chef in the kitchen when I was there. It was Corey Lee, who was probably oh, yeah. Corey's equally yeah. terrifying, um, but uh, quite a bit shorter. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. um,
0: <laughs> but it was like the that. precision that he used, even yeah. cutting herbs. And that mise en place threw me for a loop that everybody had
3: to do. The thing I remember the most yes. when we were there was it was like we must have had our own dishwashing team down down in the basement because because we got fresh utensils with with every tasting every every, every taste yes. on the menu of which there were a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. It no, was, so you um,
0: went from there though really to Isle. California.
4: I mean, to um, yeah, San Francisco. So, yeah. So I was there for. um a bit longer than my internship um, and then I moved to San Francisco and I worked at Blue Slaughter, which is in the Ferry building which was you know a really big change from the Three Michelin Star Kitchen but it was a really small team I got thrown into working on the line straight away because everyone needed to um, but that restaurant um, being in the Ferry Plaza opened up onto the Ferry Plaza Farmer's Market and I just the most incredible Isn't that a places. wonderful market? Yes. Yeah, well, I think it's one of the best in the world, and, and I just so I It drove me nuts
0: because I wanted everything, absolutely everything, and of course, I wasn't living yeah. there and I was traveling. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I
4: find that myself in that dilemma often. Um, so, so from there, then I um, I worked at a few other places, but um, I ended up at Chez Panisse which is incredibly famous and one of the places I had always dreamed of working at um and really like the pinnacle in terms of the U.S. for that kind of cooking that like farm to table um centered around seasonality and produce type of cooking so I was there for four years and I learned from some incredible chefs David Tanis hired me um oh I loved him too yeah and um so I had a really great time. I never cooked the same thing twice, pretty much. The menu true. changed every day. So um, I learned a lot, saw a lot of ingredients, and, yeah, it was great. It was incredible.
0: And you a wonderful clientele,
4: <laughs> very receptive, Yeah, right? that's right. Lots of interesting people from the Bay Area.
0: Well, we might mention at this point that although you were of Cuban descent and grew up in a Cuban-American household, um, and there's not much of, of, of Cuban culinary influence in your cooking, except for the one thing you point out in your book called generosity. Do you want to talk about that?
4: Oh, uh, well, I, yeah, I don't really cook too much, um, Cuban food. I, I feel like it's one of the things that my mom and my grandmother's always did so well, but every time I attempted it, I, it just wasn't as good. It just didn't have the same feeling. Um, so I also tend to just like keep that close to me because it's really personal, you know, and I don't share a lot of those recipes. There were a couple but, recipes um, of your family. Yeah, just a couple. Um, but I talk a bit about my grandmother and my mom in the book and how their hospitality and the way that they approached cooking for family and friends was Probably one of the most inspiring um, parts of being a kid, even though I never imagined cooking. I didn't realize until later how much that stuck with me. Those moments of, like, setting out a table, ironing tablecloths, prepping food all day to have big family gatherings were were really um, what made me want to cook. Because I just saw how much it made people so happy.
3: Did we by Did we, by the way, mention that you're now you're now in Sydney, Australia? Oh,
0: actually, I I meant to start out with this by saying to point out that it's now Eastern East Coast USA time is four o'clock or so, and it's it's a concept even though we lived in Australia that I always had a hard time dealing with. It's actually
3: tomorrow morning where you are. Now, that's right what, that's what's right the, what's the street that you Danielle I always forget what's the what the street of your restaurant the, the, the
4: street. street oh Oxford Street
3: Oxford Street
4: there you go okay. and,
0: and the name of the restaurant we haven't mentioned either which is called uh, Fred's
4: yeah what? it's called Fred's it's on Oxford Street it's on in the Paddington neighborhood of Sydney which is really like one of the older neighborhoods of Sydney and um yeah, I, I mean, I guess we could talk about that a little bit, how that happened. Yeah, 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 tell us
0: about that. I mean, how did you get, I mean, it's since we already did this, it's, I know it's a big change. I mean, you're in a different hemisphere. And if you learned about yeah. produce and stuff in California, you've got a whole different um Well, the seasons were different, uh, the produce was different. Tell us about that. How did you get to Sydney and what kind of changes
4: did you adjust to? so i um I was in California, and I was about ready for a change. I had been at Chapinisse for four years. Um, I came to Australia to Sydney specifically for a holiday, and I just started to fall in love with it. I came in the summertime, which is one of those magical times in Australia where you know everyone centers their life around at least getting to the beach one one oh, yeah. day um, and um, and that the food scene was incredible. There were so many diverse um, types of food that I had not really experienced as much in the U.S. A lot of different Asian cuisines. Um, and also a really young um, group of chefs that were doing new things, kind of uh, opening restaurants. And I just thought it was so exciting. Um, but I didn't really imagine myself moving halfway across the world. So I, I just sent a message to a friend of mine who's an Australian guy that I worked with. He was sort of Alice Waters at Japanese, like right hand man. And he replied, um, basically when I, while I was on the flight home, saying that, um, he knew of a restaurant group in Sydney that Wanted to open a restaurant like Chez Panisse, um, and they needed a chef. And would I be interested? And I wow. said, sure. So I I jumped at the opportunity, and um, they flew me back like a couple months later. I cooked for the for the team of Maryville, which is the company that owns. Fred's Restaurant, and we came up with the concept together and decided to move forward, and it was a really exciting time. I mean, I it was my first head chef's role, so it was really taking a leap of faith. I didn't know if I was ready or if I had my own ideas or if I could do it, but... Um, I jumped in, I moved here and it took about 2 years to get the restaurant open because it was under construction and there was a whole oh, really? bunch of you know, <laughs> issues, yeah, that there always are. And and then we opened and and I think I can confidently say it's it's a very beloved restaurant in Sydney and we're busy all the time, so I feel very proud of that accomplishment. Well, you know, you, you're luring us
0: from talking to us. You're luring us to make that trek again because we've never got oh. to eat
3: it, Fred. <laughs> and we ate yeah, four doors down time. the
0: street, at <laughs> St. Peter's. Well, yeah.
3: Yeah. We ate. We ate at St. Peter. We had Well, we had to eat at a restaurant called St. Peter. I mean, no, no way we were going to miss that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No. Just, the interesting thing is it's, it's, a, it's among the easiest to find restaurants you can imagine and yours would be very similar directions. It's called walk down Oxford Street until you pass the paparazzi dogs.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's and we, yeah. we
3: understand somebody actually stole them, but they managed to get them back. Oh, oh, how I would you steal them?
4: about that. Yeah, <laughs> no. they're life mean, right size.
0: I can't imagine yeah, how you steal them. These
3: are practically life, practically life size, made out of made out of bronze, and they're paparazzi. They have they have cameras. They're big dogs. Big dogs <laughs> with cameras.
0: <laughs> yeah, we yeah, have a I picture of that. my big dog Peter with <laughs> No, this is your first cookbook. Yeah, um, and I guess. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit by asking you how you came to this idea, this issue of always add lemon. I mean, I do it absolutely. Peter will vouch for this. Every time he has me taste anything, I say, I just need to squirt a lemon.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess that's how it started. I mean, I do tell tell a story in the book about – You know, growing up in Miami, and we had a couple of citrus trees in the backyard, um, as you do in Florida, and um, one of them was a lime tree. And I I remember my mom saying to me, you know, why don't you just run out and grab one lime and bring it in? And I would, so nightly, I would go out, get one lime, bring it back, and she would (laughs) squeeze it all over everything. Um, And I think, you know, if I can trace it back to anything – my palate just got really tuned to that last little burst of freshness and brightness and and then from there when i started to cook my own food i found myself just doing that with everything i felt like everything needed
3: a little drop
4: of of lemon at the end
3: did you transfer did you transfer to, to green lemons
4: Oh yes, 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 especially Meyer in California. Because yeah, yeah, exactly. listeners,
3: if you're if you're in Australia and you're and you're planning on cooking limes, good luck, because they don't <laughs> cause they don't grow there.
4: They they're not as good as they are in the
3: states for sure. The
4: limes, but the lemons here are are amazing. And and oh, the lemons are amazing. To, I think I've single-handedly been responsible for the resurgence of Meyer lemons in Australia. So <laughs> oh, wow, luckily, okay. I can find them.
3: Oh, that's know, great! When, when I when when I lived there, there were, there were there were there were there were green lemons. There were no mild lemons, but 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 everybody had a lemon tree in their backyard.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, you did. We we used to get the lemons off the tree. What was that tree we had in, in, um, when I was there in in the yard
3: in the pet? What kind of fruit was that? Kumquats. Oh,
0: that's
3: it! Yeah, I love those. Yes. Yeah, we had a cupwort tree, in the, and and Anne used to just pick them off the tree and eat them. Yeah, and nobody oh, else they're, ate they're them. Delicious sure. like that. Who, who cares about <laughs> sour? Who, who can spell sour? Well,
0: <laughs> you know, this this is your first cookbook, and I have to tell you that it's uh, it's made for the home cook. And it's it's setting up the home cook to be able to produce these kinds of delicious foods because you have it, it's so lucidly written. You have so many private tips. You are so confident, and you've expressed yourself so clearly. I mean, I, I'm really taken with this book.
4: Oh, um, that's so nice of you to say.
0: Well, it's true. And the first thing that you do is you just out and say, although you say it's tongue in cheek. You have a set of rules. Could you run through some of those? They're funny. Yeah,
4: absolutely. I mean, they're not really rules, but these are my guiding principles that I think um, if you do a few of these things and most of these things, you'll have some success. So number one is cook with the seasons. And and this is something, you know, you hear everyone talk about seasons are very different depending on where you live. So I find the best way to figure out, What the root of seasonality is is to visit farmer's markets in your area if you're lucky enough to have them because those people will tell you what is best. And that leads me to number two, which is support your local farmers. I've definitely found that by doing this, my cooking at home and at the restaurant has improved. The people that grow locally and most of the time organically really grow for flavor. Um, They grow with a lot of care. They grow with patience. And they look after the earth, which is super important. We all need to be thinking about that. So I think support your local farmers. They help your community, um, your immediate community, but also your larger community. Um, And then number three, don't freak out when things go wrong. Um, You know, that's a funny one. (laughs) I think people get really nervous about cooking at home, especially if you're having people over. But I've had some pretty disastrous things happen, you know, at the 11th hour at the restaurant when people are about to arrive and the sauce that we've been simmering all day has burnt down to nothing because someone turned around at the wrong moment. And, um, there's always a way to (laughs) somehow bring things back or, or start fresh or, you know, in the worst case scenario, just, order a pizza or something. Um, and then I say, read the full recipe before you start. And my little tip is actually read it twice. Uh, yeah, well, lot you of, know, I mean, I
0: learned that the hard way because I, I I was making, as, as a start-up cook, um, I was making a, um, uh, 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 what was it? Um,
3: you, you always told me you were making chucru. Charcuterie.
0: I mean, um you know. Charcuterie. Charcuterie. you said.
3: It, it
0: it's um the the garni um, and it was yeah. julia child's recipe and i didn't read the whole thing through and it was now like 7:30 at night and and I, <laughs> the next instruction was now simmer for 5
4: hours <laughs> <laughs>
3: If you're yeah, having no, it tomorrow, then. <laughs> yeah. no, she she learned her she learned her lesson, and, and later on, yeah. when we were living when we were living in Geelong, she made Tal sassy on Christmas Day. I
4: oh, did oh, gorgeous. gorgeous! Wow that sounds like heaven
1: yeah,
4: um so good. yeah read the recipe so that you know especially things like timing you're right that's so important um and I'll quickly run through the rest of them number five find your favorite wooden spoon and keep it I love how a wooden spoon feels it makes me feel more like my inner grandma is cooking and I love that um Number six is taste, 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 every step of the way. I I I can't stand when I ask people, you know, have you added salt? Like my chef's in the kitchen and they say no, and I'm always like, why? you got to add salt at every step. You know, you're sautéing onions, you add a pinch of salt. Then you add in the tomato, you add a little bit more pinch of salt, and on and on and on on it goes. Um, And then number seven, invite people over for a meal, but don't overthink it. I think – You know, now is a pretty strange time in terms of having friends over and family over to our home. But when we can get back to a bit more normality, I think – you know, it's just such a nice thing to be able to have people over. You don't have to go to these elaborate themes or do a million different dishes. Just keep it really simple, something you're confident with. People will appreciate that. Um, and then number eight is add a little bit of lemon, um, or a little bit of lemon will change everything. And I think we already touched on why. That yeah. is <laughs> Well,
0: um, so you, you have then um, just general kinds of instructions that have – many many tips in them um because you know the thing about this book that i love is you are so confident in it reading it you know i know the reader or cook I'm um, cook knows you know what you're talking about and that is <laughs> a joy it's hard to believe this is your first cookbook
4: oh well thank you for that i mean i guess i i i, I still i realize with everything I do, how much I don't know. So the, the bit that I have picked up and that I have um, feel certain of is mostly because I've probably made, I've messed it up along the way. So I've learned <laughs> my lessons, and I want to be able to share those lessons with you all so you don't have to make the same mistake. Yeah, well, there, it comes through.
0: And now the actual recipes themselves, um, they're, you organize them according to what?
4: Um, so I do salads um, and then fruits and vegetables, uh, followed by pasta, grains, and legumes, a chapter on seafood, a chapter on poultry and meat, and then desserts. And then I have a section at the back called Projects, which are... Yeah, I'd like that. Like... Tell us about yeah. Projects. So so that's Projects is um, the chapter of the things that introduce you to a bit more of the projects or the things in the kitchen that take a little bit longer or maybe things you could easily buy at the store, but it's so nice and fulfilling when you can make them at home. So a few samples of that are a few different kinds of breads, not sourdoughs, but um, yeasted breads. So a sugas, some potato rolls, flatbreads, um, in the dairy section, I show you how to make yogurt and ricotta um, and your own crème fraîche. Um, and we also have a section on meat projects, which which are like terrines and um, chicken liver parfait, which are things that I really love making. And then finally, some pickles. Um, I share with you my favorite quick pickle recipe. So a few pickle. things in there if you really want to dive in a bit further.
0: You know, I mean, I I really was interested in, you love salads. I love salads. But, you know, if somebody gets the same salad over and over again, that's pretty boring pretty fast. But you have some really creative salads. Talk to us about some of this. I mean, things like beetroot and persimmon salad with feta honey, pistachio, and aleppo, that is very um, far from cucumber and tomatoes and lettuce. (laughs)
4: <laughs> it's that, and that one is one of my favorites and I think would be an excellent one for um, people that want to have a beautiful, stunning salad at a holiday party. Uh, so I roast the beetroots whole, and this is that's the way that I cook beetroots always. Um, and then peel them and slice them really thin on a mandolin, but you could use a knife. Um, you just need a sharp knife. And then Fuyu persimmons, which are those crunchy, persimmons you leave the skin on you slice them thinly also with the mandolin and you can you can present this any way you like but i put the cheese on the bottom and kind of fan out the beetroot and persimmon over the top um a bit of uh vinaigrette that i show you how to make and some mint some toasted pistachio beautiful pomegranate seeds which just uh you know are the jewels of the the fall season and that and a drizzle the honey and that's it and it's just so so delicious i think you'd really love that one you know you seem to like sicilian style
0: food a lot which yeah since i'm sicilian right. um, i appreciate because i love it too i was raised on it but talk to us about why you like that i mean you have to actually be trained a little bit to appreciate the um um, the, the bitter stuff
4: in there but it, it's also I love, yeah i do love like yeah. bitter bitter greens um like castelfranco that's the leaf that's on the top that's the one, the one i'm looking I
0: at right now that. castelfranco like with warm chestnut yeah. thyme and prosciutto i want this right yeah. this minute
4: it's so it's so divine. It's it's hard to find those lettuces actually in Australia, but I think they're becoming more in fashion. But I remember finding those a lot of that in the Bay Area in the winter time, and uh-huh. you know those kinds of leafy greens like radicchio, which would probably be the most common, can be extremely bitter if had outside of season. But if you find them in the winter season they can be really delicately sweet with with only the most mild bitter taste so it's a great time of year to be making salads like that and the other thing i love about sicilian cooking is that mixture of the sweet and the sour yeah which actually yeah which really helps to mitigate a lot of that bitterness as well so i think we'll get to it but i have a a pasta with cauliflower and pine nuts and currants that that really illustrates that idea really well well you know
0: that 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 relates is the closest i've ever seen to a a pasta dish that i grew up with which was called pasta indiana and nobody knows why (laughs) (laughs) and it it had um, cauliflower uh, sauteed onions uh, fennel and what else in there but and, and and then of course the Parmesan and it's pasta, and that's the closest I've ever come to it. So you're yeah, resting. well, I
4: mean, that's I know that pasta is pasta paulina, but um, and and I tell a little story. I think it's it's something to do with like um some some monks in Sicily the. San Francesco di Paola amongst or something like that. But Indiana, that's a really interesting name. I wonder what Yeah, I don't
0: is. have a clue. I've tried to ask people about it. Nobody seems yeah. to know. It could be one of those quirks, like in every Italian family. You know, I mean, it was, yeah. uh, it, what was. it, it was the, uh, that fig cookie thing. Um, I had a, a bunch of us with Sicilian backgrounds decided we were going to make these um, cucciadatta, they're called. Cucciadatta. And um, and we finally gave up doing it as a group because we're a television show because it's a two-day process.
4: Oh wow! Yeah. I
0: know, but uh, yeah, but I had probably six different recipes for it for my family. Um, with, oh, wow. I mean, the most challenging recipes, things like a, a, a jar of uh, jelly. <laughs> you know? I mean, you oh my part. God. Yeah, and then, and then the people, the other people in this project, they all had different recipes. So it's like every family has its own recipe for all this stuff.
4: Yeah. Well, that's yes. fascinating, though. I mean, I love that about Italian cooking. Yeah. So
0: another thing, the roasted fennel and Jerusalem artichokes with hazelnuts and grapefruit, because we get this great crop of um, Jerusalem artichokes. And yeah. people tell you how to make soup out of them, but then it never goes any further. You can use them. No. I, I...
4: Go ahead. I do all sorts of things with Jerusalem artichokes. I mean, yes, they are delicious in soup. Um, I also love at the restaurant, we slice them really thinly and we fry them and they become the most delicious little chip. Um, but just beautifully roasted, they're they're an excellent component in that salad. Um, a wintry salad but you know on its own roasted with a bit of thyme and a bit of butter is also delicious yeah
0: i i like to roast them with some um, garlic and uh, juniper
4: berries Ooh, that sounds nice it really is I nice try that. with olive
3: oil of course
4: <laughs> delicious
3: yeah. yeah you can also put a little gin in there too in memory <laughs> <laughs> Starting to
4: taste like something else
0: maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so but you are unabashedly vegetable forward. And I guess considering your background this is not surprising.
4: Yeah. I mean I, I always start out when I'm trying to think about what to make. Um if, even if it's just simple dinner, I always start with what vegetables do I have. And that really helps to like narrow the field a little bit for me. I think it's overwhelming to walk into a grocery store and have literally everything and anything available to you. So if I start with beautiful, fresh vegetables, um, and then from there decide what else is going to go with it, that, that helps to make my decisions. And I love vegetables. I love how much diversity there is there. Um, and how many different types of cuisines you can cook just with vegetables. And the salad section is really my baby from the book. Um, and the fruits and vegetables section. That's probably where I put in um, most of my time. I think. Well, I mean, uh,
0: th- th- there. Th- I never figure out. T- tonight we're having. Um, I think we're going to have. We're having some pork chops, which we don't have very often. It's Berkshire pork chops, and uh, sauerkraut with. Um, what are you putting? Um, you, uh, what are you putting
3: in those? A few juniper berries, a few uh, Zanzibar black peppercorns whole, and, uh, and <coughs> radishes. cooked radishes. And radishes. radishes. Oh, yum. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Come on. I come love on, a Come on radish. over. You,
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, yeah, go, I'll
4: be there in about eight hours. J- jump on the bus and
3: come on over, and, and we <laughs> yeah. will. We threaten to do the same in your direction. Yes A please. revisit, a revisit down, lo- down under is long overdue, and uh, you you're making us think about the wonderful times that, that we had when oh. first we lived there, and then we visited on several occasions. So say hi to the paparazzi dogs when you I will If you have time to pop in on Josh, on Josh Nolan at St. Peter and say, tell him Peter, friends hi. our maybe maybe yeah. he'll remember doing the interview i'm sh- i'm sure he probably will he and he and his wife yeah. are such charming people yeah I,
0: I just want to mention that that you are all uh, encompassing in this book cuz you go through pasta grains and legumes you go through your um, uh, protein um, uh, section uh you do um well, you do talk about your uh, your projects um, and and you do dessert, um pretty straightforward desserts, I would say, yeah, um, yeah I mean the one me, that stood out was the most beautiful yes. thing I ever saw was that what was that um the the clear glass thing what was that? I'm looking for it now yes. as I'm flipping through the book um, anyhow, it hello, yes. Yeah. Oh, you're there still? Okay, good. Anyhow, so people, you can, you could find your chicken, the best chicken recipes in the world, uh, other oh. proteins, um, and porchetta. You don't really get a recipe for porchetta very often. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the kind of book that you really want to work your way through. Um, I oh. can, oh, here's what the, the, um, the, the, the trifle, citrus and chocolate mousse truffle, yes. trifle, which is so gorgeous. So.
3: That
4: one's um, that one's a bit of work, but it's totally worth it if you want to, especially in the holidays, in the northern hemisphere, it'd be great. Well,
0: I think it's a it's a rich, um, flexible and inspiring cookbook, Danielle Alvarez, listeners. It's called Always Add Lemon, and it should just be part of your your Cookbook collections and, and refer to it as you want to for any particular occasion. It's very
3: flexible. And, and the lunch mm-hmm. line is Eat at Fred's. Eat at Fred's. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in
0: the
4: eat at Fred's. When you can get here, for sure.
0: Danielle Alvarez, uh, we love talking to you and thank you for taking the time out of your busy day and thank you for getting up so early.
4: <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thank you both for having me really is a delight.
0: And uh, once we start traveling again, I would really love to go to Fred's.
1: Um, and there you go.
0: Hello, Sydney. It's
1: true. Well, we, all, we, also have, we also have to re- revisit the place almost next door yes. called St. <laughs> Peter. St. Peter. You can't imagine why we would want to do that, can you? Well, that's a wrap for today. We'll see you again same time, same place next week. And until then, bye-bye.